I just wonder how, at what stage that a problem comes and it escalates it to a station where you say it is a crisis. You know, how do you escalate a problem time in your life to that it is a crisis? Well, there was, this is the true story. A pilot taking off with 155 passengers and crew left the airport in New York. Probably is the Kennedy Airport. He flew off and he was extending till his plane hit a flock of birds. And not only one, but two of its engine was rendered inoperable. Stop. I wonder if you have seen this show, Scully. Scully. It was actually portrayed in this movie, Scully. The pilot, Scully, was in that situation. There was 155 passengers and crew which he is responsible for. His plane hit the flock of birds. Two engines was rendered inoperable. He is in a situation, I think it is a crisis situation. It definitely is a crisis situation. So he turned to his first officer, Jeff, his name is Jeff, and asked Jeff to take out a folder. Now, I do not know what the technical word for that folder is. It is a checklist, what I call it, a checklist response, it's a, uh, what do you call, crisis response checklist. So through the checklist, they try to restart the engine again and hopefully take the plane to safety. The, if you have seen, not seen the show, it's a worthwhile show. It's a really moving show to see too. So it's a still story. A state of crisis and a crisis response checklist. Now, as, now we are not going through like the same sort of story which David Wilson brought up last week. Almost the same passage as we read to us. How Peter, with a vision, gone to Cornelius' house and Cornelius as a family and his, the people around there came to know the Lord. But if, if the, the Bible take it, the, the effort to rewrite this again, I think we can reconsider this. So Acts chapter 11 in verse 1 to 3 was stating that the church, the fellowship of believers at that time were in a state of crisis. This is a situation which is brought about because Peter went to the Cornelius house, which is a Gentile, and brought the gospel. I'm, I think it was a, just an understatement. He went and ate with them and therefore caused the situation. It was not just that. The crisis was, he went and brought the gospel, this message of the new kingdom, to this Gentile house, and they became Christian. So the, 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 the Christian there will have to handle this new thing. Now, I do not want to make it small. 
Now, it was written there that it was the circumcised believers who brought this issue up. It was, I think in the NIV, it was not well translated. It was the believers who are actually having this issue of circumcision which bring it up because all the believers at that time were circumcised. They were the, the first early Christian was Jews. They all circumcised. But there was a group of Jews which actually holding on to what they believe is really true God's commandment. Well, circumcision is one of the things which God instituted. And also this separation, God wanted to preserve this, this uh, group of people which he finally become called the, the, the people of God, the Jewish people, to bring about his plan. And in order to do that, he actually put some separating barriers for this nation. Among them, is he, he was marrying another people, another culture was not encouraged. So they were asked to be separated. The Christian, the early Christian, they saw the, 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 the plan which played out when Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the promise as a fulfillment, as a continuation of what God had promised, what Christ fulfilled, and now they are continuing on. They didn't see it like God failed in plan A, now we have plan B, we reject the plan A. It was not that way. When I was in Israel, I had the opportunity to meet some Messianic Jew. And still now, they feel that that continuation, the seamless continuation of God fulfilling His promise through Jesus Christ. And they do have the culture of still celebrating the Passover and all that. It was a beautiful culture carrying on. So the, the Jews at that time, who are, became Christian, was wondering, was wondering, they were wondering what Peter did, what Peter did in going to the Jews uh, in, in the Gentile and bringing the gospel there. Was it approved by God? Was it part of God's plan? So this is a valid question. It was a valid question. It was not a, a, a nasty question. It was it was a valid question. So that was a crisis. That was a crisis. So I say, okay, in that crisis, how do I structure our, our, our study of this chapter? I put it as, we're going to have what we call the crisis response checklist. Crisis response checklist. The first part, oh, it's so small, so sorry. You can read that? The first one is, it's a safe environment to voice out things. The fellowship at that time, they was, have such a good fellowship that it's safe to voice out, to voice out their concern. It was not a place where you think are hushed down and pressed down and say, no, you should not answer, you should not ask that question because if anyway, Peter, the leader goes up there, whatever he says, whatever he do is accepted. But it was a safe environment for them to voice up. So that was the first thing I think is, 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 is uh, what you call commendable. So we want our church also to have a safe environment to voice out your concern and also voice out your opinion. So this is the first thing. In the crisis response checklist, voice out. 
a safe environment to voice up. Of course, voice up appropriately. Voice up with a clear conscience that that is for the edification of the church. So, it was a safe environment to voice up. Ta-da-da. Just one click. Ah, okay. The next one is communication with God. Communication with God. Okay. The first part of communication is prayer. We found over here that Peter, while he got the vision, he was a man of prayer. And all over the Acts, you find that the church always resort to prayer as part of their life. So it is a church, a praying church. Peter was a praying man. He prayed. So in the second part of the checklist of this crisis response is prayer. Bring that problem to the Lord in prayer. We should actually rope in God in our prayer when we are in crisis, in the crisis. So the second thing is prayer. Peter was a man in prayer. The next is listening. Listening to God. In Peter's prayer, he saw a vision of this thing, the, the, all the animals coming up, down. It's like a zoo coming down. Down and sick eating. So he actually saw the vision. And later when actually the people came from Cornelius, he heard the Spirit. He, he was sensitive to the Spirit. The Spirit told him, go. Go. So next thing in prayer is not a one direction monologue. Just put your, your prayer list to the Lord and that's it. In prayer, develop a sensitivity to listening. To listening, Lord, what's next? What's it? The Lord come and answer us in a very still, small voice. But He definitely speak to us. Jesus say, my sheep hear my voice. Hear my voice. I'd like to develop this even more, but maybe another time. The hearing, the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. And then, two, next thing is part of the communication with the Lord is, after you hear, you obey. What shut off the communication most of the time is after hearing, after praying, we do not obey. We do not obey. It will calculate that kind of, you know, it, when, when you, you, you got a, 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 something hitting your hand many times, it develops, oh yeah, when you play guitar a lot of time, you, you develop that kind of hardness and then you don't feel that well. Your hand don't feel. If we don't obey the Lord, we remove the sensitivity of hearing Him. And we start to hear other voices. So, communication with God involves three things. Prayer, listening, and obey, obeying. And Peter obeyed. And he left. And he went to Cornelius. Although, it must be a lot over his mind. A lot over his mind. He's going to actually... Do something which as though, you know, it was forbidden culturally. Traditionally, traditionally, they actually have to pull themselves out from the, the Gentiles' culture. And now he's asked to go. So he obeyed. It was not an easy thing to do, but he obeyed. He obeyed. So the second part of the 
crisis response checklist. I'll put it as communication with God. Pray, listen, and obey. And the third part is the usage. I must read what I read. Using of strategies. You need to strategize. Strategize. When Peter had that situation, he listened to God, he was obeying, he actually asked a few people, he got a few people to go with him. That he is a stroke of, to me, brilliance. He took six people to go with him. So there is safety in number. A team, safety in number. He's going to do something really significant. So he actually called six people to go with him. I think six people, right? Safety in number, number one. There is also check and balance within the believers on what he's going to do. Check and balance. And the third thing is he anticipated that if whether it's by accident or it was just an incident, the fact that he got the six people, these six people become the other witnesses for that event. When he actually had to explain to the group of believers, he had six other voices behind him and say, yes, we saw that happening. So there's a part of anticipation as a leader you have to anticipate. Now, this has to do with work. But every time when I go to meeting with the board or with the general managers of all the managers and all that, I always, and because I have to actually give up my report, my performance and all that, I always anticipate what will be the worst question they're going to ask me and have the answer. Whether I like the answer, or I like the situation or not, I will have the answer. So you actually live, you live through that worst situation. When you go to the meeting, you're ready. Anticipate. So when you have problems like that, anticipate so you actually know what will be worst which actually run through and at least you can use your own uh, anticipation to actually prepare yourself. So anticipation is... So what I mean to say is strategies may not be like something you read out from the Bible, but God gave us gift and the mind to think. Mind to think. To actually move ourselves out from the crisis or to lead people out of it. Now, in our elders' meeting, we have... We're going to have elders' meeting this Monday night, are we? Yeah. Now, we will have a part where we read God's Word and share the devotion. But after that, 95% is what we're doing. Using our mind to find what our concerns are and, and how we're going to actually... Uh, resolve the situation or what the church lead to. So we actually have to use our mind too. So Peter, stroke of genius, took six people and I thought that was a stroke of genius because they come in to help him to lay the case down. To lay the case down. The next is the authority of the scripture. Authority of the scripture. Where do you get this? You know the vision of the, 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 the blanket coming up without the animal is actually God having a Bible study 
with Peter. It was a Bible study. How do I get that? This prohibition of eating the animal comes from Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 14. If you have the Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 14. When God prohibited the eating of this animal, it is actually a non-ethical command. There's nothing to do whether it's ethical or not to ethical lizard, or dogs, or horses. It's, it's nothing ethical about it. But when God gave that commandment, He says what in verse 1? You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourself or shave the front of your head for the dead, for you are the people holy to the Lord your God. Uh, out of all the people of the faith of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be His treasured possession. And then He goes on verse 3, Do not eat detestable thing. So when actually this vision is tied down to, to, to this commandment, God is actually explaining His plan. It is a Bible study. So, in the response checklist is what we do have to be referred back to God's scripture. Scripture, what is His plan? So, God was having a Bible study. In, and then, Peter also reflect on it that not only that, although it's not written at that time, he remembered he remembered what Jesus said. He says that uh, oh, Corinthians. He remembered what Jesus said. He said that uh, verse 16, I remembered what the Lord have said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So actually, Peter bring in the scripture to put on his case, to explain to the people. So scripture becomes our basis of our reference through the time of crisis. Rely on the scripture. Well, Peter could have been reminded, could remind, remind the, 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 the Jewish Christian when God called Abraham out, this group of people were to be a blessing for the rest of the world. And not only this Jewish nation, the plan is for the rest of the world. So things all start to come back. And the reference is God's plan in His scripture. So the next thing is actually using of scripture. The scripture should be our guide. The scripture should be our guide during time of crisis. Oh, this went too. Okay, the next is oh, the authority of scripture, I said... And then, closure. In a crisis, there should be a closure. If possible. I mean, there should be a closure. And here, the closure is rather positive. We have a closure which is positive. But the closure, I want to point out, it should be pastoral. First, we have a positive closure here. And what, what happened in verse 18? When they heard this, they had no further objection, and they praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentile repentance into life. That was the closure at that time. 
That was the closure. The closure does not point to Peter, what a great man you've done and all that, but point to God and rejoicing with God. God, now we know your plan. That's rejoicing in the fellowship. That is the positive closure. And how nice it is, is all the time the closure is just like that, positive closure. But we do have closures which is, maybe I would say, when we need to accommodate. Now, this is a generalized situation whereby I'm just taking all kinds of crises into the, into the basket. Okay? In some crises, after all the, the, the thing we did, all the explanation brought up and all that, and, th- and then people may still feel that they defer. They defer in, in the situation's conclusion. I think we do have that people leaving our church, leaders leaving our church the past seven years. When I went with a group to Port Arthur, is it? Port Arthur? Port Augusta. Port Augusta, and we actually ministered to the the, uh, what do you call the people there and we were, I was blessed the leadership which went there they did a great job they organized the thing well they are from this church and I think the youth did a great job I still remember I close my eyes I still can remember that relieve that moment great leadership wonderful and I enjoyed the fellowship but none of the leaders none of the people who went with us are still with us, except for Betty, myself, and Chin. And they left, they left us. The most important thing that happened is that we should actually make sure when they leave it, they have gone to the church so they can continue their journey in Christ. They can grow in Christ, they can serve Christ in the next part of the journey. It would be God, it could, I mean, God could plan it differently to help them be blessed, blessing other people differently. Let's actually also not be too, un, too, too, too work out with that when people leave our church and they go to another church. God's kingdom is bigger than Mormonsi. It's much bigger. It's much bigger. It's much bigger. When I was preparing this and, and on this point, a thought came to my mind. We love them and we care for them. Maybe sometime this week, make a call to them and ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you doing all right? We are remembering you. We are praying for you. We hope your, you and your family are doing well. And we bless you. You know, we don't have to really cut off and think that they have left us. They are, you know, not feeling our feeling for us anymore. No, just bless them. Bless them. See how they are. And if if they grow in the Lord and all that, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. So there will be some time where the crisis. Closure may not be so neat and then so positive and need me to accommodate. Well, anyway, Paul and Barnabas have a big fight. 
in his journey about who, who is the slagger around here. And Paul, Paul in, in, in the book, you know, he, he couldn't stand Mark. He couldn't stand Mark and say, Mark, you, you know, Mark was a bit sickly or homesick or whatever is it. And then because of that, Barnabas is a man who actually feels for the, 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 the mentee. And so they have a separation and then both then separate Paul and Paul and the Barnabas go to separate way. And then, so there was a separation even Paul and Barnabas. But they come together and Mark is the one who wrote the book Mark, you know. So what can you say? Who's right, who's wrong? There's nobody right or nobody wrong as long as they remain in the Lord. So it's very important that we actually, if those who leave our church, have good fellowship with them, have a good, uh, what do you call, continuous fellowship with them. That they actually, and also check on them, that they actually have a good church to go to. But then there will be some time whereby there is, to the other end, irreconcilable differences. Crisis which cannot be solved. But we need to have closure too. And this actually will have to do with some destructive elements as well as maybe theological difference whereby we could not actually hold it in our congregation. Again, pastoral safety for the safety is very much involved here. And we must accept that times like that, we even Paul warned one of the church in his letter to uh, in, his, uh, in his letter to Timothy. There was one guy by the name of Alexander, the battle maker. Paul said, be careful with him. Be careful with him. So there was also a cutting off, a warning. We are adults, we should know that these are the three possibilities of, of a crisis at the end of it. At the end of it. So, well, this is a crisis response checklist. But, I think it could be also our church culture. Although we don't have a crisis, this could be our church culture. We should be a church whereby, a church whereby it's a safe place for us to actually have fellowship and to share our concern with each other. It, that should be that way. It should be a church, a praying church. A church where we all start to listen to the Lord and obey the Lord as we listen to the Lord. It should be a church whereby the authority, uh, uh, the usage of strategy, that means a church whereby we encourage you to use your natural gift or your situation whereby you learn something, you can actually bring it up to the church here so you can, we can use it. I mean, for example, Chris, running the kid club program, I see all the games he, 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 he brought forth. was not in the Bible. Was it in the Bible? <laughs> the game they played. <laughs> I was I was amused by it. how do you think of such game? You bring out your gift, what he learned from his teaching, he brought out here and use it. So use of strategy, use of that, and then there's the authority of scripture. We always find that this church, we will always have the culture that the authority of scripture is the way we go. Authority of scripture, and then we should have closure. We'll be tested. I think the authority of Scripture is now being very tested in the public places. The issues on what you call uh, uh, gender, for example, 
It's an issue facing us like a train running and we are tied onto the track. It's coming to us. Maybe we should, uh, we should really answer to that because it is actually going to affect our children and how we teach. Affect our, our ministry in this pulpit. So these are the things we actually have to come to face it. So it should be our culture to have that that's, uh, thing to remember as we actually uh, think of our church culture. And maybe there could be more. Okay, I'm not limiting to that. Uh, my limited ability, you could actually uh, add one or two more. Praise the Lord. Yeah. This could be actually done at like a workshop. Workshop, one, one item, let's go through a whole session, discuss it, and go to the next item. But let me end up with this one. God's sovereignty. I start with crisis. But let me assure you, God's sovereignty, His will, the welfare of the church, your welfare as His children is secured even through crisis. God is sovereign. God is always sovereign. Nothing will tweak His plan. We are in the winning circle. We are in the winning circle. Do not fret. Do not fret. We are in the winning circle. God is sovereign. Pat, God is sovereign. God is sovereign.